0: morning, church. My name is Brandon Billups. I am the high school pastor today. And as you've kind of already seen this, um, I'm the high school pastor all the time, not just today. Uh, but as you've already seen today, um, we are celebrating our seniors. And here soon, we're going to have all our seniors sitting down here. We're going to come up and recognize them here in a little bit. Right now, they're out serving the church because that is what they do every single Sunday. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, but it's not just about students today. This is about the next generation, right? Like we, we have raised up a, a great um, crop of, of seniors who love God and serve, but it didn't start in student ministry. It didn't start when they became a senior. It started when, man, they were being held in the nursery and being prayed over um, by nursery workers, and then preschool and elementary, middle school, and there's just, it's been all of, all of this time, all these people have been pouring in to these students to get them to where they are now. Um, I want to give you a a frame of reference about our seniors. They were born in the year 2001, so let that make you feel old here for a second. Um, uh, A gallon of gas at that time was um, $1.46. George W. Bush was president Beyonce was still in Destiny's Child. <laughs> the students are like, who's, who's Destiny? Is that Beyonce's mom? I don't, I don't know. Um, Napster was shut down that year. Raise your hand if you downloaded illegally. No, don't raise your hand. That was a test. You are church people and they're always watching. Okay. Um, 2001 though, so we're in a new series called Leverage. Um, and Pastor Jeff opened us up last week. and He was talking about leveraging our time because we only have so much time and we don't know how much time we have. And God's put us here and given us this time and, and place and where we are now for a reason. How do we leverage that for God's glory? Um, leverage, the, the definition we're using is to use something to its maximum advantage. To use something to its maximum advantage. And so when we're talking about leverage, it's never for our benefit because if we're not leveraging what we have for God, then we are never going to leverage anything for its maximum advantage. So, so you think through, all right, what has God blessed me with? What has God given you? My, my house, my finances, my family, my skills and gifts and, and abilities. And How do we leverage these things for God? But what about our education? I, I don't think sometimes we think about Our education, how we've been blessed to have the education that we have. Um, In America, we we are obviously much more educated than the rest of the world. In fact, I was in South Africa two years ago. I want to show you a picture. This is a group of first graders, and we took this picture because there's people here at Rolling Hills and at JMI who, who gave money so that they could have uniforms so that they could go to school. Uh, Because here in South Africa and in other places across the world, if you can't afford a uniform, you can't go to school. So if your parents can't buy a uniform, you just don't get educated. And that cycle of poverty continues in those families. Uh, Right now, we've got a group of of leaders from this church in the Amazon, and they're traveling down the Amazon River, stopping off at jungle villages, um, pouring into kids who, who aren't getting an education. We're blessed to have the education we have. I know when I was growing up in school, I didn't probably see it that way um, as I was doing my homework, but we are blessed to have the education that we have, and even more so in Williamson County. Um, Here's some stats. Right now, Williamson County is eighth in the country for percentage of populations with bachelor's degree or higher. Eighth in the country. Um, we are 22nd in the country for percentage of population with graduate or professional degree. There's a lot of degrees in the room. There's a lot of education in Williamson County. We're blessed to grow up here or to be here where we are. But here's the big question for today. How do you leverage your education for God? How do you leverage your education for God? You know, our seniors, our students have received um, an education in, in school, but also here at church. They've learned a lot about truth. Um, Just in life in general, they've learned a lot because, you know, like I said, this has been going on since they were in the nursery being rocked to sleep so that their parents could come in here and get poured into or take a nap, depending on how the, the baby was sleeping at that point in time. But then the students got into preschool and they learned that God made you, that God loved you, that he wants to be your friend. Uh, You got into elementary and you learned that you need to make the wise choice, that you can trust God no matter what, um, that you should treat others the way that you want to be treated. Uh, You got to middle school and you learned that you need to wear deodorant. (laughs) Axe body spray does not count as a shower. I used this um, same joke last year. I'll probably use it next year too. It's just, it's funny every time, middle schoolers and then deodorant. Um, Do we have any middle schoolers in the room? Uh, No one wants to raise their hand. They're like, no, I don't don't think so. (laughs) But you got into middle school and you learned that I will follow Jesus because he knows me better than I even know myself, your identity. You learned that you can define who you are by who God says that you are. Uh, You learned that you can discover that you are a valuable part of this church family. Uh, You got into high school and you learned that you were created to pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus. It wasn't your parents' faith. It was your faith, and you learned that um, you were designed to be an active part of a community who points each other to Christ. Like I said, we've got high school students serving all over the church right now, and we do every Sunday in every area. Our students are serving. They're a valuable part of our community. That you learn that you exist every day to demonstrate God's love to a broken world and here's the truth we haven't outgrown any of these things we've learned we still need to know that god loves us that he made us and he wants to be our friend that we can make the wise choice that we should trust god no matter what that we can define who we are by who god says that we are students have gone through the phases um you know all the different phases of childhood and and growing up and parents doesn't it go by way too fast I mean, doesn't it just seem like you blinked and your kid is so much older? I have a three-month-old and a three-year-old, and it really does feel like, I mean, my three-year-old, how is he three all of a sudden? I swear we just had him. You just blink, and they grow up. And one of the things we say around here often is it's just a phase. Don't miss it. And this video will illustrate a little bit better what I mean. I was preparing for this. I knew that you guys were probably going to cry during that video. I didn't see that happening to me. Um, it's just a phase, though. It's just a phase, and it does go by so fast. And I know with my kids, I don't want to miss this. So now that all the parents are emotionally wrecked, let's jump into Scripture. We're going to be in Luke 12:35 through 48, verse 35. "Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So this passage is all about waiting on the master to return, for the boss to come back. And it's about us waiting. It's about us waiting and so the question I want to ask is how do we wait because I do think there is a wrong way and a right way to wait and I think we see that in scripture when I when I think about waiting I think about the doctor's office um and for some reason whenever I sit in a doctor's office waiting room there's never any cell service um so I can't play candy crush I mean read a book on my phone as I'm waiting I'm educated Um, and, and then there's like a a home and garden magazine, you know, from 12 years ago sitting next to you. So you just sit and you wait. You just wait till they call your name. But that is not how God is calling us to wait. Uh, so here's the wrong ways to wait. The first one, waiting doesn't mean that we're sitting around not doing anything. Uh, the second one is waiting doesn't mean that we do whatever we want until the boss gets back, right? No, we get dressed and ready For service, we see in scriptures that we don't know when the master is coming back, so we better be ready. We better be working when he gets back. And so when I was um, first getting into ministry, um, I was an intern at a church in Houston, Texas, and I really had nothing that I brought to the table. Like, I, I, I got incredibly nervous to, to be on stage. I couldn't, I didn't know how to plan anything. I didn't have any administrative skill. I mean, I was not a first-round draft pick, um, but I got hired on at this church, and I had to figure out, okay, how do I make myself valuable to the team here? So I decided, okay, I'm going to be a hard worker, and I'm going to be teachable, and I can do those two things even if I have nothing else that I bring to the table, and so I made... The, the, I, I decided I'm gonna be the hardest working guy and that's gonna be how I can add some value here. And so I was strategic about this too. So like when my boss would leave, he'd have to go to some meetings um, at another campus or another place and I knew when he was coming back, I wanted to make sure he found me working when he got back. And I did a lot of different kinds of work. I'd work on my computer and I would plan events or coordinate things or send emails or I'd get on my phone and text students or you know whatever that is. Um, and I also do a lot of manual labor. Uh, I do a lot of setting up chairs and tables and pipe and drape and tearing things down and getting rooms ready um, for, and stuff like that. So I decided, you know what? When my boss gets back, I'm gonna be doing the manual labor stuff. So he walks in and he sees me working hard. Now I wanna be clear, I wasn't like watching YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, the boss is coming back. Time to move some chairs. I wasn't doing that. But I wanted to be strategic because, you know, he walks in and sees me on my phone. He doesn't know I'm texting a student. Uh, he walks in and sees me on a computer. He doesn't know I'm not watching YouTube. I wanted him to come back and find me working. And what we see in this scripture is that while we are waiting, we need to be working. While we are waiting, we need to be working, working to be more like Jesus, working to point others toward Jesus. So we're in the word and we're praying because we want to keep those lamps Burning. We want to spend time with our family. We want to serve God by serving his people. We want to serve the church. We want to serve our coworkers. We want to be working when the boss gets back. We wait by getting ready. We wait by working. Verse 41, we'll keep going. Peter asked, Lord, Are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the unbelievers. So the illustration is here. While we're waiting, we need to be working. We don't do whatever we want, Right? The person being described in this passage is a poor steward of what they've been given. They're a poor steward of what they have been given, and he's doing two major things wrong. The first thing, he mistreats the master's other servants. He's mistreating people. Now, I hope in this room there's not a lot of you who are beating people at any point in, in your life, but how are you treating people Uh, The people that God has put in your care. Maybe you've got employees. How do you treat them? Uh, Your family, how do you treat them? Your neighbors, so on. How do you treat people? And maybe it's not that you're treating people poorly. Maybe you just don't serve anybody. Maybe it's, I like to be served, but I don't actually want to serve anybody else. You know, I'm the big boss. I'm the leader. I've worked hard to get where I am. People need to do what I say. I think Jesus probably had a different outlook on leadership uh, when he was washing his disciples' feet. Uh, I think he probably had a different outlook on leadership when he was hanging on a cross. We're called to serve people, to treat God's people well. The second thing, he's giving in to the pleasures of the world. He's giving in to the pleasures of the world. He's eating, he's drinking, he's getting drunk. And listen, that is not how I want the master to find me. In fact, I hope he comes back this morning because I'm preaching and I think that's going to look good on me. He knows my heart. Um, That's not how I want the master to find me, though, is, is doing whatever I want, living for myself. We don't live for the world while we wait. You know, I think one of the idols that we don't often identify for ourselves is our education or our achievements the things that we, we feel like those things are ours. We put all our chips, you know, into that and we use it for ourselves and not for God's glory. You know, if you're working hard to maintain and to achieve and to get influence and resource and God has blessed us with all of that, we can't deny him access to the things he's blessed us with. Those are all For God, he's given us our education and all the things we have for a reason. So here's what we have to do. We have to be dressed and ready for temptation. Um, The first one to be the temptation to be selfish. The temptation to be selfish to make it all about us. We're waiting and I'm just gonna do whatever I want. The temptation to live for the world. The temptation to live for the world. You know, the master's not here right now. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to give in to the pleasures of the world. Yeah, when I think about our seniors going off to college, I just feel like this needs to be said. God hasn't given anyone the college years off from being a Christian. I think there's a lot of students every year that go off to college and buy into this lie that, oh, you know, it's college. We just have to get that wild side, out of our system before we settle down, you know, before we get married and get a real job, it's okay, it's college, and it's an absolute lie that our culture has given us. We've learned a lot, we've been called to leverage the things that we have learned, yeah, both education and here in in this place and in church and in God's word. James 4.17 says this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. If anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Here's the problem with being educated and knowing the truth is we don't have an excuse anymore. Uh, We don't have an excuse to go, oh, I didn't know. No, we know. We know what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. We've been given a lot. We need to leverage what we have. Why Luke 12, 48? From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. We've been given a lot. We have been entrusted with a lot. We don't know when our time is up. Uh, we don't know when, when Jesus is coming back. We, we need to be dressed and ready for service. We are called to be good stewards of what God has given us. And that includes our education. That includes our education. So what are you doing with that education? Because I don't believe that God gave you a great education so that you can become rich for yourself. And, and there's nothing wrong with having money. If you've got the gift of making money, way to go. I don't have that gift. We'll be taking a love offering at the, you know, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't have that, that gift though. But if you have that gift, are you building your kingdom or God's kingdom? with what God has blessed you with. How can you use your education for God's glory? Because what you have been given is preparation for what God has for you. Because God has something for all of us. He has something for all of us and he has given us stuff as prepared us for that so that we can use those things. We can leverage those things for his glory. You know, I, I think if we're not trying to figure out what it is that God has for us, if we're not using our skills and abilities and talents and education, I don't know that we're going to figure it out. If we're not trying to figure it out, I don't know that we're going to figure out. You know, there's, yeah, I can look around um, this church every Sunday and there are tons of highly educated people serving all over the place. And that is awesome to see, there, there's there's one name that came to mind as I was preparing um, for this message, and you guys may know his name's Brad Dennis. He is an ER trauma surgeon, and he's going to camp with us. He's going to kids camp and he's going to student camp here in like a month. And listen, everybody feels safer if Bra- I feel safer at camp if Brad is at camp, right? And he's using what he knows and his education and his knowledge for God's glory. Even though I know and Brad knows, he's pretty much going to spend the week distributing medication and putting Band-Aids on boo-boos. That's what his week's going to look like. But he's using his education and his knowledge and his skills. And it makes all the parents feel safer to send their kids to camp. It makes me feel a whole lot safer to bring your kids to camp. And he has these opportunities to point kids towards Jesus and to show the love of Christ as he takes care of these kids. How are you using your education? How are you using your education? If you're a parent in the room, I think you have to look at this in a couple of different ways. Um, for you personally, how are you using your education? But then also, how are you educating your kid? Uh, how are you teaching your kid to use his or her education? I remember when I first became a dad to Beckett in 2016 and I'm holding, this little baby, and I just remember feeling this weight of, I have to teach you everything. Like, you don't know anything. That's, my job is to teach you everything. Because as a parent, you are the primary educator of your kid, which also means you're the primary spiritual educator of your kid and spiritual influence on your kid. Being a parent is, is probably the best leverage you can have in somebody's life. How are you teaching your kid? And please don't try and outsource this responsibility, I beg you. (laughs) Don't don't do the, hey, we'll just send them to church and let the pastors whip them into shape. We only have them a couple hours a week. They're with you all week long. You're the primary spiritual influence on your home. And, And the truth is, like, kids can seek out, they have like a hypocrisy radar, don't they? Like, like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, like, this week, give your kid one Popsicle. You take two. And then when they ask for a second Popsicle, tell them that, no, 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 it's going to make your tummy hurt if you have a second Popsicle. Their response, but you got two. <laughs> they see the hypocrisy. They do. They've got a radar for it. Your kids need to see you serve. Your kids need to see you share your faith. Your kids need to see you reading your Bible, be strategic about this. Like don't, don't, don't fake it, but be strategic. You know when your kids come down in the morning, be reading your Bible. Oh, or maybe you leave before your kids ever get there, you need to highlight your Bible up and lay it out on the kitchen table. So then they come to get breakfast, they're like, oh, I guess this is where mom or dad reads their Bible. We gotta be strategic so our kids can, can see us living out our faith. Your kids need to see you go on mission. I will plead with you parents, send your kid on a mission trip. Send your kid on a mission trip. I love where we live. I love Williamson County. We already talked about how high the education is. There's low crime rates. People are friendly. It is a great place to live, but I think we can probably all agree we're in a bubble. This isn't what the rest of the world looks like. This isn't what the rest of the country looks like. We're living in a bubble, and I know for me, I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that somehow they did something to deserve this and become entitled. Uh, I want them to see a bigger picture. I want them to get a world worldview. Uh, I want them to... I was talking to some parents um, recently who, who has had one of their kids go on a lot of mission trips, and um, the mom was talking to the son, and she said... Hey, don't don't you need some clothes? We need to go get you some new clothes. And her son looked at her and said, Well, mom, need is a strong word. (laughs) (laughs) I want my kid to say that. (laughs) Like I am praying and hoping that my kid gets there someday. And they have that perspective of how blessed we are. We need to let them see us live it out. Because the best way to teach your kid how to live like Christ is to show them the best way to, to teach your kid how to live like Christ is to show them. You need to ask yourself the question, what are your kids seeing? What are they seeing in your life? Are they seeing that your education, your achievement, that's all for you and for gain and for selfish reasons? Or are they seeing that there's something bigger? That, that there's something more important in life that's worth giving and leveraging your time and education for? Actions speak louder than words. I made that up. You can quote me on that. I don't know how I come up with these things. I don't know. It's amazing. So how do we leverage our education for God's glory? We serve. How do we leverage our education for God's glory? We Serve. We use those gifts and those talents and those skills and, and we show people around us how much Jesus loves them. And generally, we know we're supposed to serve, but there's also, we've got to figure out specifically, what does that look like for me? How do I specifically leverage my education for God's glory? You know, we've got a, a ministry fair happening out there in the gallery. You may have already seen it. You'll, you'll see it again um, when you go back out there and it's, it's all the different ministries, all these different ways you can serve and you've got to figure out for you, okay, a- am I going to serve and which area makes the most sense for me that I can give back and, and use my education? I, I know I've got boys right now who are three years old and three months and I am praying for godly men all throughout their life that will pour into them. I mean, already in preschool, there, there's guys like Jeremy Crawford who are, you know, he's excited to see every Sunday. There's, there's no more crying at the door. It's, it's, it's not even a bye daddy or a hug. He just runs right in. I'm like, all right, see you, buddy. Love you too. Have fun. Because he's got people pouring into him already at a young age. I know when my boys are teenagers, uh, I am praying hard that there will be godly men in their lives that when when there's something going on, when, he's, when they've done something that they don't feel they can tell dad about, man, I'm praying there are men in his life that he can go to, that they can go to, and they'll point him to Jesus, and they'll give him that godly wisdom. We need that. Our, our kids need that. Our teens need that. We need to leverage the things we know in our education for God's, glory. And it's not just about, you know, it's not just about the next generation and serving in those specific areas because everyone who serves is impacted. The people on cameras and the tech booth, um, out in the parking lot, the greeters, everyone is making an impact who is serving. We need people who will leverage their education for God's glory because when you do, you get seniors like we have this year who are ready They're ready to go out and be the light of the world. They are ready to go. That's what we want. That's what we're working towards. And so generally, we know we need to serve, but I'm gonna leave you with this specifically. How is God calling you to leverage your education? Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you that you are a good, good God. We praise you that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing in this place, God. God, I pray for all the men and women in this room, for all all of us, God, that you would just lead us and guide us. You would put on our heart the ways that you are calling us to serve, the ways that you are calling us to leverage our education.